This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 696. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry, and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. Hello, and welcome to the AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment. And, of course, by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, our very own Patreon.com family. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. Well, John, um, there's there was some not-so-great Auburn sports this past week, but there was also some very encouraging stuff for the future. So, we have kind of a mixed bag to look at tonight, I guess you could say. Yeah, some ups and some downs. And then some uh, hope on the horizon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, just real quick, we're talking about, in terms of basketball, we had a great game against Georgia, and that's always a good thing. And then we had just a heartbreaker at Tennessee, in a game that nobody thought we would win, but we had a very real chance to. We're going to talk about that. And then, and as bad as things went, we still had a chance to win. And then um, we got really good news in basketball recruiting, and then we got more really good news in basketball recruiting. And then we got really, really good news in football recruiting, which continues to just be kind of mind-boggling. So where do you want to begin? I want to take just a moment to talk about we've, – we've talked about the tough losses on this show. That's part of what we do is it help is. fans think through it. And I want to talk up for a moment about how did you feel after the Tennessee game? There's so, I mean, there's so many – storylines that I could go down and I have one I'm going to talk about at some point compared to last year but I I think when you say how did I feel at the end of that game I was very disappointed we didn't win I was very angry and upset about how it ended but I was also just kind of flabbergasted that we were even in the game considering how our offense well, not. I, I mean, I think it was really kind of like that. You know what? I think it was kind of like that Alabama LSU game a few years ago in football. It was like nine to six. It wasn't so much that both offenses were inept, although ours has been inept at times. I think it was more that just both played really good defensive games, and nobody ever got off a good shot. The difference to me, the difference in that game, the reason we lost it, other than a line cheating ref, is that our shots that were tough didn't go, but our shots that should have been easy and should have just fallen continue, continue to fall off the side of the rim. We had one that went all the way through the cylinder, turned around and came back out again. I mean, we we just had shots that went everywhere except into the hole. And even when they went in the hole, they didn't stay in the hole. So, Yes. For portions of the game, it looked like the – we were at the fair shooting at one of the smaller <laughs> the yes. regulation rims. So. Yes, I just, and that's been a problem all year, and I don't know why it is, but I don't know if it's that they they haven't practiced enough just under the goal putting it in, 
or if there's like an invisible cover that keeps getting put over our end or, I, you know, I mean, or it's just bad luck or karma. I don't know. I mean, maybe Bruce broke a mirror and walked under a ladder with, next to a black cat crossing his path on the way to the first game of the season. And it's been, but it just seems like if we could have just made a couple of those gimme shots, we'd have won the game. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Uh, it, it was very frustrating, very yes. aggravating. <clears throat> I loved Bruce's comment after the game. We were not intimidated by the home crowd. Yeah. We, yeah. the Auburn team, were not intimidated right. by the home crowd. Somebody was, but it wasn't us. And, and that was, I, you know, at the, at the end of the game, and it was a super close game, the home crowd and the home court cooking was the difference. Yep. Now, you are correct. If this team in this game and other games went from bad offensively to mediocre or poor instead of just bad, then we'd have two or three more wins, including wins over yes. Tennessee and West Virginia on the road. Yes. Um, We're that close, but I got something to yes. say about that in a minute. Yeah. So, but, but we, you know, that there's no magic uh, shooting bullet walking through the door. No, um, no. So it kind of is what it is. But I also, I, I just want to take a moment well, and say. Well, hold on, John. Now, you said there's no magic shooting bullet walking through that door. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. That would help. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. And Robert that Parrish is not walking through that door. Any any one of those would be happy to, I'd be happy to have him walk through the door. Or, or reasonable facsimiles thereof. All right, I'm sorry. I was going to say, the 19, you know. <laughs> 85 version of those human beings, not the uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. not the 2023 version of those human beings. Not rolling through Robert, that door. Yeah. I think Robert Parrish is deceased. <laughs> well, I certainly he's hope he's not walking through that door because <laughs> then it <laughs> becomes a zombie. All, it comes, a, this is not a Last of Us podcast, John. We don't need to go there. <laughs> so, I, but I just wanted to say, like I, we went into the arena of the number two team in the country who has one of the historically best defenses in the, in the mm. you know, over the last 15 years of college basketball and stood toe to toe with them and had a chance to win the game yep. at the end and probably should have won the game at the end. And, and here we are. It felt like an NCAA tournament game. Yes. No, the, the intensity was up there. You yeah. are correct on that. It felt the intensity level was conference tournament play. Yeah. NCAA tournament play. Yeah, it felt like, and one of those that go, it felt like one of those games where they're a two and we're a fifteen or something. Maybe we're an eight, something like that. And uh, everybody's on upset alert and tuning in to watch to see if Auburn can pull it out. You know, yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's right. I think we even got an Apple alert while I was watching it saying Auburn might be about to upset number two Tennessee. Do you want to go over to that? And I'm like, I'm already on it, but thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, I, I I guess the thing I want to say about it, I know you, we, we've done our one minute, but I have another thing I want to say completely separate, which is that um, this time last year, I think our team had already peaked, right? In, in, in late January, early February of last year, we were playing as well as we did the entire year. That's fair. And by March, we were not playing as well, or teams had figured us out, and we couldn't stop it or something, right? And as much as this year's team in no way, you know, in no way is this year's team in, in playing up to last year's level, but this team is what we have. 
And they have not peaked yet, I don't think, by any means. I think they're only going to keep getting better. It seems like Wendell's been getting better. Now maybe KD is getting a little better. I think Janai Broom gets better every time he goes out there. Um, He's playing at a very high level. Yes. And uh, I think Flanagan is certainly better than he was at the very beginning of the season and certainly better than last season. Um, Jalen Williams is playing better than he's played in his entire career. So even if this team reaches its peak, that peak may not be close to what last year's team's peak was, but it might happen at a better time. Because if they continue to get better now in February, then maybe when the tournament season rolls around, they'll really be clicking at the top of this team's ability rather than being on the way down like we kind of were in, in hindsight last year. That's I may be crazy, but let me cling to my hope that there's something no, to that. No, and, and I get what you're saying. Like the the high the peak you know potential of this team is not nearly as high as the peak potential of last year's team. Right. But if this team plays to its potential and continues to improve, they could reach that peak, and that would be at a higher level than last year's team was playing going into the tournament. At that time, yeah. Yes, at that yeah. moment. On the way up rather than on the way down. I mean, the, 20, the 2019 team, we, we said this over and over, the 2019 Final Four team was, was not playing much better than this team this year at this point in the season. They were very mediocre for most of the season. Yeah. The team that went to the Elite Eight was like 18-9 and nine or something going into the tournament season. So, you know, the last year's team was up there with the Cliff Ellis team that was undefeated for most of the season as far as great during the season. But that doesn't get you a whole lot in March and April. You know what I mean? It, that, that's over with. That's a, that's a done deal. You, you get your nice SEC regular season championship, and that may be all you get. And that's all that that team last year got, and that's all the team that Cliff Ellis, you know, the 99 team got ultimately. So I'm just hoping that I'm looking for a silver lining, basically, and my silver lining is that they're still on the way up and not on the way down, I think. Here's another silver lining for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. I think fans overall are like, "Ah, the season is just, it's a disappointment. Oh, we're okay. just spoiled. I, we're spoiled. I, I, I mean, ding, ding, ding. We're seven and three in the conference. We're seven and three. And fans are like, ah, I just, you know, I'm not feeling it. They want, <laughs> they want the final four every year. Well, look, there's nothing wrong with having high expectations. And I think that, sure. And I think that we, that the team and the coach and the coaching staff have earned the right to have high expectations. However, 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 um, however, you also have to appreciate what you have and not take it for granted and poo-poo it away. And you can't wish for the future every moment. You can't. We're going to talk about the future players, and it's exciting, and we're going to be excited about it. But I am not going to be like, well, I'm just not going to enjoy any basketball right. until those guys. Until play. those guys. I'm going to yeah. enjoy every moment of this season with yes. this team. 100%. Look, we look back at the 1980s football, and we look back at it now and go, oh, man, that was just the glory days. We ruled the conference for the whole decade. Man, I bet that, I bet that we must have just rocked and rolled with that every day. And you think back, and we spent most of the 80s going, dang it. Why can't we get the national championship? Why did we tie LSU for the SEC championship? Oh, why aren't we in the Sugar Bowl this year? You know, why did we lose that stupid game to Florida? 
So in the in the moment, the natural reaction is not to appreciate what you have. It's to it's to covet more, yeah. right? If you're on level C, you you don't say, "Woo, I'm on level C." You say, "Man, I want level B." If you're on level B, you don't say, "Woo, we've achieved level B." You say, "I want level A." It's only when you look back later in hindsight that you think, man, I wish I had appreciated it more because now we're on F, you know, <laughs> or something like that. So, uh, yeah. Then the, the short. Say, we had the 1980s and we should have appreciated it more because then along came potato. <laughs> <laughs> Potatoes. That's right. <sighs> well, yeah. We, uh, I, the, again, this is, you know, there's. We we have a primer episode that tells people, and I don't think we mentioned this this on there, but one one of the things that you and I have always talked about, like at least once a year, it seems like since we started this show, one of the things we've always talked about is Louis Grizzard famously said, "Losing hurts worse than winning feels good," and my corollary on that is yes, and so therefore I'm going to make sure that I enjoy winning more than I allow losing to hurt. And with only a couple of exceptions, Florida State, Virginia, with only a couple of exceptions, I've managed that. I celebrate wins like crazy when they're good, big wins. And when we lose, I go, well, see what's on the TV. Read a book. I, I think this is a, a good, a very good perspective. We remind fans about there are a lot of games in basketball and it's tough to get wrapped around the axle after a tough loss uh, and get down about it and stuff. But there's a lot more games to play and a, and a long way to go. And and you have to appreciate the games that we have. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. we dominated Georgia last oh. Wednesday at home. Oh, yes. One of the best offensive games in the history of Auburn basketball. It didn't seem like it at the time. It just felt like things were finally working. But you look again. But you look back on it and go, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let me bring up the uh, let me bring up the thingy here. You did you did include that? You helpfully included the link. Ninety four to seventy three. Oh, this Not was the this was four points. The same th- well, team. This was the this was the game. Georgia scored more than double in the second half. What they scored in the first half. They scored twenty four points. In the first 24 points in the first half, which is probably about what we scored against Tennessee, honestly, and what Tennessee scored against mm-hmm. us. Um, but Georgia scored 49 points in the second half, but we scored 52 points in the second half. <laughs> they they hit 14. This is okay. Here's a tale of two cities, all right? Athens or Auburn, I guess, and Knoxville. The best of times, the worst of times, okay? Against Georgia. Georgia made 14 three-pointers and lost by 21. Just think about that for a minute. Georgia made five more three-point shots than anybody else we've played this year. They made 14, and they lost by 21. And then on the other hand, Tennessee went two for 21 and won because we went three for 20 freaking seven. In the Tennessee game, Tennessee and Auburn combined went five for 48 from three-point range. It, 
if just two of those possessions, instead of chucking up a three-pointer, we had taken it and somehow managed to get in a cheap two, we'd have won the dang game. Yeah, five, but I, five of 48, John. I hear you. Being that Tennessee's defense forces you into a three-point yeah. attempt. They're, they they're really good inside. But you were correct. It is funny that the great outside shooting didn't help Georgia and the – you know, the, the Tennessee shot 9% yeah. in that game from three-point range. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Tennessee had made their shots, it wouldn't have been close. You know, watching it as an Auburn fan, I'm mostly watching what Auburn's doing and thinking, how are we even in this game? And then it dawns on you, you know, Tennessee fans are saying the same thing because both teams are just watching everybody miss. So that was a really that was both of those games were really really weird outliers and what was particularly weird about them is that they were back to back within 3 days of each other or 4 or whatever it was yeah just crazy so what else we want to say about the Georgia game uh that one guy for Georgia dominated us last time yeah that one big guard, and we were not going to let him do that again. And they shut him down and said, "Everybody else, go. Good luck." And he had, I think, he had one two-point basket. And that's how how much the Auburn defense said, "Okay, you not getting, the, you're not doing this to us again." I wish we'd done and, that to the West Virginia guy. <laughs> well, I, again, I think you know we he as I discussed last week, I think he was a little bit lucky. Yeah, I think we. We played pretty well against him, and I think he kind of pulled some. We should have kneecapped him when he got off the bus. Pulled, of, pulled some points out of the air a little bit. He so. did. Conjured them up. Um, KD, is he yeah, getting we, it back? We had this, you had the joke a couple weeks ago, is it time to talk about KD Johnson? And yes, it is, because he's back. He's back to being a contributor, a guy who could drive to the basket and make stuff happen when we need it, and who has just enough confidence you know, the, the rational confidence, but enough confidence to be like, I can make this happen and help get us some points when we desperately need it. You know, John, when the answer, when the, when the question is, what is best in life? What is best in life, John? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear a lamentation of the women. And to see KD Johnson screaming and yelling and making faces at the other teams and their fans, that is what is best in life, John. I do love that. It's so I, good. I will miss that one day when he's gone because oh. I am sure as an opposing oh. fan, if I was on an opposing team, he would be my least favorite player. Hate him. Hate him. Hate him. Yes. Yeah, but we love him because he's he's such a jolt of energy when he gets it going. And he yeah, and he really knows how to play to the crowd. I don't think he even does it. I don't think he even knows. I, I, I think he just, he is just wears his emotions on his sleeve. Like yeah. hundred percent. And There's, people react to it. People, sometimes no filter there. People feed off of it and that's good. That's mm-hmm. what we need. That's a good thing. So, um, yeah, but we still, you know, and interesting too, that we played the whole Tennessee game without, without, uh, our backup Carwell. center. Yeah. Without Dylan. Yeah. Dylan Carwell. He, uh, supposedly sick. You know, maybe making the trip to A&M. Hmm. Um, so I think he's making the trip. There's no guarantee he's going to play. And it mattered because they have a bunch of talented big guys at Tennessee. And so Broom had to play more. We played some uh, – Trey Horror backed him up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at Cardwell, we could have used him against those big bodies. Yeah, you know, you look at this team and it really is a case of 
we had what was left over from last year, and then we usually reload. And reloading this year has just been a failure. I mean, Trey has Donaldson has done what he could. He's I mean he's not terrible. He's out there learning and trying as at the point guard back just to give Wendell a backup. But Trehor and and Westry have for various reasons obviously Westry just is oh. hurt or whatever. But that's what you know. I mean that was what we were kind of counting on. I think as 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 giving us some punch coming in. Well, but the other thing we were counting on has happened, which is the players that were on the roster getting more experience and more time together and getting better. So Wendell mm. Green is better than he was last year. Like he yeah. is a, he's a more experienced, capable player than he was last year. I think Jalen Williams is playing better than last oh, year. Yes. Flanagan is clearly you know, healthy and playing better. So yeah. I think the part of it was we had an inexperienced team, especially in the backcourt last year. And now we have an experienced team. They played a lot of basketball together in their times, and that can really help us. But you're correct in terms of like new talent walking in the door making a difference. It's pretty much Broom. Yeah, he's the only one that really has been able to. And, and thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness because we, if we didn't have him right now, I mean, we would just be throwing up. We'd be throwing up seventy missed three pointers instead of fifty missed three pointers or whatever it is. So yeah, I oh good lord, yeah we. It, it's kind of like how we felt about the football team about four or five years ago. Is like if they just had one more person that could score. You know, we wanted that one more running back. All those you know, there were two or three years that were like we just had one more running back, just a little more punch. You know. One more or one more receiver that could go up and get the ball, and I feel like that too. We got all the pieces except for we just need one. We just you know you're not going to get a Bryce Brown every day, but we need somebody like that to complement Wendell and KD and and Zepp and and yeah. give us a little bit of scoring from the backcourt. I, I think they went out and tried to get some of those guys like West Virginia guy, and I also think Westry was kind of supposed to be that guy too. Exactly, exactly. It's just hadn't yeah. So, well, I mean. Next year we should be certainly. I don't know what we'll lose. You never know, but we'll have a good core back. A very whoever does come back next year is going to be very experienced. And then you add in the guys that hopefully didn't get to play this year, but will be able to play. And then the new new guys. So I mean, you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's like people have totally forgotten the 2021 team. We keep saying, oh, you know, fire Bruce, or oh, why are we doing all this terrible stuff or whatever? Yeah, you're. And I'm like, you know, every now and then this happens. Do you not remember the, uh, the you know, 2021? Because 2020 was the year we had the really, really good team that just didn't get to – that there was no postseason because yeah. of COVID. And then 2022, of course, was our great team that went to number one. But 2021 is the team that wouldn't have even made the, the NCAA tournament. That team was not going to make the NCAA tournament. We took a probation penalty on it very wisely because we weren't going to make it anyway. That's like if I agree to give away my Ferrari. I ain't got no Ferrari, John, so I that's fine. There, you know what I'm it. saying? We we gave away an NCA <laughs> huh? I'll take it. Oh well. Yeah, you get a box of air. <laughs> we we gave away at the tournament in a year we weren't gonna make the tournament. But but people kind of forget we were not good that year. The only yeah. you know, if they people talk back to how great uh, the point guard, the little point guard was that was so Cooper, Shreve Cooper. Yeah, Shreve Cooper. What else on that team was, <laughs> you know? I mean, what else do you point to on that team and say, "Oh, that was a good team"? No, nothing. They were. I mean, really playing again to have it his best year, probably. Yeah. on that team, but yeah, the rest of it, it was not good. <laughs> we were bad on defense. Yeah, and Cooper got to play about 
10 games the whole season for various reasons. So, yeah. And then he's gone. So, I see, you know, we were making up our all team, our all, our all Auburn team, and people were saying Sharif Cooper. And I'm like, how can you even say that? I mean, if he'd played for even a whole year, I could consider him, but he didn't even get to play half the season of one season. And he was, he was, he, he had to get qualified and he couldn't. And then he got to play a little bit and he got hurt. So, I mean, that's the equivalent in football of playing in like four games. So, and he, he was he good for those four games. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't like Jared Harper good for those four games. He's all right. I mean, he needed a lot of work. He needed pla- he needed practice. He needed playing time. He just couldn't couldn't get it. So, yeah. Well, um, I, did we cover everything about the Tennessee game as well? We talked about Georgia. I think so. I, I mean, again, I. I don't want to undersell how good Auburn's defense was in that game. Yes, it's like true. We were really, really good. We had a good game plan, a great effort, and went into their building, and we're not intimidated and not afraid. Not a bit. And we got in their face and gave them all they wanted. And well, we get that team in our building in a few weeks with Cardwell back. Oh, I, I feel good about it. You never know. I mean, you never know how things are going to play. But knowing this team – and knowing what happened in this game there, and knowing Bruce and his track record, and knowing that it's Tennessee, right? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. some teams some teams have our number, Texas A&M, inexplicably, right? And Florida. And some teams, we have their number, Tennessee. And so we'll see. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about the rematch. Um, That's right. And honestly, I, I don't feel too bad about playing Alabama in Auburn coming up because – I think Saturday, right? Because um, teams have been able to shut them down a little bit. They've they you know they've pl- they've lived very dangerously the last couple of weeks, and Oklahoma beat their brains in, and Oklahoma's not that good. Yeah, s- but you know that doesn't mean they're not good. They're still really good. But yeah, you're correct. Oklahoma took it to them. And then I'm just saying that was Oklahoma. You get them in. You get them in Neville Arena. And you get an Auburn team that's frustrated with how the season's going, and you could see some frustration getting taken out on the tide. The Todd. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. So coming up, and by the way, oh, I gotta quote myself, my tweet. I always like to quote my favorite tweet I've tweeted. I was proud of this one. I simply said about that last shot that Wendell tried to get off for the three pointer that would have tied it. I said, if we had had that referee in the final four against Virginia, we would have a national championship in basketball right now. There you go. That's a fact. That is a fact. Take it to the bank because he wouldn't have called the foul. Clock would have run out. We'd have won. That's it. Because the foul that – I can't ever think of his name. I loved our I loved our guard that shot that – that defended on him. He was so good. The next Samir year – Samir Dowdy? Yeah, Samir Dowdy. So good the next year too. Samir, Samir did one-tenth of what the Tennessee guy did to Wendell. Like, less than a tenth. And they called a three-point, three-shooting foul. You'd think it was You're a right. Virginia home game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm never going to get past that. It's going to eat me up till the end of my days. Because I did say a while ago, I, want, I don't want losing to hurt worse than winning feels good, but I said there are two exceptions, and that's one of them. I think we all know the other one. All right. Um, coming up. Texas A&M in Colleytown Tuesday. So people were probably people were most most people listen to this show on Tuesday. We record it Monday night. It's up for a whole week, you know, whatever. 
Most people listen on Tuesday. So if you're listening on Tuesday, it's tonight at 6 o'clock Central. That's a little earlier than sometimes. 7 o'clock Communist on ESPN The Deuce. Um, why do they always beat us? What is the deal? I don't know. It's Their defense seems to really own us. The style of play they have. I think they know what we're going to do on offense, how Bruce wants to play an offense, and I think they have good defensive game plans, good players. They, they mean, they, they have big, tall, athletic guards that are a matchup problem for us on both ends of the court. And then they do some things that they're aggressive and attacking on defense in a way that causes us problems. We talked last time they trap Wendell in the half court. Yeah. They really deny Broom the ball well. And so it's gonna, it was a real challenge to get good shots off in the same way it was in that Tennessee game. So, you know, maybe we can go over there and play better against them than we played at home. We're going to maybe try some different things and, and see what happens. So, um, I, you know, I think they're not as good as Tennessee, right? And we just stood toe-to-toe with Tennessee and traded hand. Well, so I think we got to go over there and it's what I, it's I don't know if it's matchups, but it, it has the effect yeah. – of yes. one of those matchup things where Team A is not as good as Team B, but we have an easier time beating Team B than we do Team A for whatever reason. Usually it's matchups, but I don't know. It, it's to me, it's a they understand what we're trying to do on offense all the time, every possession, and they are in it. They're anticipating where the ball's going to go and what our players are going to do, and they're standing there waiting on them in good position with their feet every time. And um, so I, I think that's a big piece of it, um, and we need to change what we're doing a little bit in order yeah. to have a chance to win that game. We can't go in there and run the same game plan we were in the last two games against it. Yeah, no, we've got to do something different. There's no doubt about it. I just and and, and again, I you know, I have confidence. I mean, how can you not yes. have confidence in our coaching staff? They're going to figure I have something. Great confidence out. in our coaching staff. It, they had a great plan it, for Tennessee. It almost worked. That's right. That's right. Shots had just fallen. So college game day is going to be in Auburn for the uh, Alabama game Saturday yep. one, at noon Central, one o'clock Eastern. Yeah, it's a big game. Again, college game day was huge last year when they came for the Kentucky game. Yes, it's be huge for the South. Alabama is really, really good. They're undefeated in conference, and uh, that's going to be a huge game. And we, you know, I can't wait. Uh, for that game to see it, so the, I'm excited. I think they're a good, they're a really good offensive team. So it's going to be our kind know, of the opposite great of defense Tennessee. at home. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're they're good on defense, but you're right. It's a little bit the opposite of Tennessee, where it's really a question of can we stop their firepower and then can we keep up? Yeah, it's it's it. Uh, unfortunately, Tennessee was a, I think talking about matchups. Tennessee was a good matchup for us because they play really good defense and we play really good defense. So we kind of cancel each other out, and then it's just a matter of home court advantage was three points better for them ultimately with the cheating referee. Whereas with Alabama, it may be that we slow them down, but we still don't score that much, and so they only win by twenty instead of thirty. You know what I mean? It's like. I don't. I maybe we can hold them down, but I don't know I, if we can score enough. Well, again, we're coming off the game where we scored ninety against ninety two against Georgia. We can yeah. score points at home. This team yeah. will shoot better at home and play better at home, and that crowd is going to be at eleven. They're going to be at absolute insanity from the time our team takes the floor. The road to Jungle City again. That's it. They're going to be camping out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Oh, I do sometimes wish we could have called the book The Road to Jonah. I, I'm thinking about making a limited edition, a limited edition version of the book with the... <laughs> what? With, with that title on it, just for my own sake. Just make one copy just for me that says The Road to Jungle City on it. Let me, let me get another hardback one. I'll, I'll magic marker that one on there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, John, John, miracle alert, alert, alert. My wife just texted me um, from the Smithton Police Department. The water line is fixed. Water will be turned on momentarily. We've had no water this afternoon. Hooray. But because I, I, told, I told John before we went on the air that my town is boil water notice capital of the known world. Like once every two years, some moron cuts through our water line over and over and over, and we have boil notice for a week and no water, and they've just fixed it. And so there it is. John, you can see it anyway. There's the pipe. We have water. Ah! All right. Happy and I day. Think, and uh, yeah, so now I gotta, I'm gonna have to send out a message to my students and say, yeah, for, you know the whole thing about meeting on on online tomorrow. Yeah, never mind. We'll be we'll be back. We'll be fine. I'll be no, I'll, be back, I'll be showering in brown water probably from the re reglued pipe, but uh, that you can't drink. But at least I can shower in it brush my teeth with bottled water yay <sighs> all right well so that's basketball i oh, i was saying i do want to make a i kind of do want to make a special cover that says a road to jungle city but i don't know um eight games to go there's only eight sec games left and we've talked about this before there's a few that we ever have a real chance to win you know the Vanderbilt. doable but we gotta we gotta steal one of these other games yeah you know the road game at and the home game against alabama Yep. You know, the game in Kentucky. We got the home game against Tennessee. We got to yes. steal one of those games and then win the other games. And if we do that, we'll be in fine shape. It, it, as we say, as we always say, except we probably didn't say it last year, and in retrospect, we probably should have, try to win one in the SEC tournament. Mm -hmm. I, I think that for all that it looks good to say we only lost to Tennessee by one score in, in Knoxville. You go and lose in the first round of the SEC tournament, or the first round you play in, and it never looks good. You, you win something, right? Win, win yeah. a game. And we want to have the double bye again. We want to be in the top three or four. Yeah. Uh, so that matters. I don't know that we will. I, I think, think we got. I think we got a shot. Well, we we definitely got a shot at at missing the first games because we're not going to be in the bottom four or whatever it is. They change the dang bracket every every other year, so I don't know how it works now. But for a while, it was like the bottom four played, and then you have you know then have another round, and another teams come in, and then you have another round, more teams come in. So it's really weird how they do it. But with fourteen, what are you going to do? Um, all right, we we we've got an influx of new talent, as you put it, and and um, two. We we've got three really good point guards committed now, don't we? We had one already, yeah, and now we've got two more. And I'm like, I wonder if we can work a trade or something because we got all these good point guards suddenly. The the most important thing for me in this discussion about the influx of new talent is to be very crystal clear with each other and the listeners about when these players are coming. Okay, good. 
Because I think that's the, it's easy to get confused and lump all these players and we'll see them. So in the current signing class, we have signed a point guard, Aiden Holloway. Yes. Who's a four-star from California. Yes. Who is a point guard and, a, and an excellent shooter. Okay. okay. He, is in the, he is the lone player so far in the 2023 signing class, and he will join Auburn in the fall. Okay. He'll you know, be here for next season. He, He'll be here next year. He'll be when we start playing games in November or whatever. He'll be there. Okay? okay. Good. The the two basketball commits that we received in the last week are getting ready to go into their. You know they're going to be in the 2024 class. So okay. Aiden Holloway's graduated from high school in May or June or whatever. Mm-hmm. These two kids are graduated from high school a year from now in May. Right. Right. They got another so high school they, season. That's right. They got. An, they will play in Auburn with for Auburn in the fall of 2024. Okay. And those those two players that we got that are you know huge commitments are both guards and they're Tahab Pettiford and LeBaron Filan. And I mean they are like okay so Pettiford, New Jersey, the number three point guard in the country, and Filan is the number one prospect in Alabama. Yes. Wow. So these are good gets. Yes. And they're, you know, P- Pettiford is, um, after Jabari Smith and um, I think Trehor, the highest ranked recruit we've ever gotten. Okay. Um, and with Pettiford and Filan, we also have committed for 2024 that center that we talked about who's like seven foot, 300 pounds. And so we, for the 2024 class already, we have the number three recruiting class in the country, and we only have three guys. Wow. Holy cow. Well, that's – yeah, I mean, well, you got to think that by the time they get here, we will have cycled through quite a few of the players we have now, so they'll be – That's positions. exactly right. That'll be a big rebuilding, reloading year. Yes. And so we'll need some influx of new talent, and these guys will be it. Mm-hmm. Um, Very I'm good. Excited to, I'm excited about both those guys. Pettiford is an excellent point guard. He can score, can make plays, and – and Phylon is a bigger guard, like a six-four guy who could, who's a scorer. Like he can drive to the basket and is super explosive. Like go right by people, make stuff happen. You know, we've talked before. We just as how much how much ever you folks out there appreciate Bruce Pearl, it's not enough. It's like Amen. if you looked at like the top fifteen prospects we've ever recruited to Auburn, he signed like thirteen of them. That's right. So. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. All right, and then in football, oh, my goodness. Let me tell you right now, our offense in a couple of years is going to be dangerous because we got the commitment, the signing, finally, of Jeremiah Cobb, right, who's coming in. Dangerous running back. Fast. Big 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 play play running back. Big play. Can catch it out of the backfield. Can break tackles can just flat-out run people. You can see why Cadillac liked him, because he reminds me a lot of Cadillac. He also reminds me of Tank. They all three have some similarities in that they're not huge bruisers, but they're so hard to bring down. They're quick. I, I don't think Cobb is quite the tackle-breaker that Tank is, but I think he's much more explosive in terms yeah. of making a, a bigger play. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his highlights, it's all 80-yard runs. The first play of every drive, they get the ball to him some way, and he just goes through the defense and zips down the field. Nobody can even lay a finger on him. It's unbelievable. Um, 
So there's him at running back. And what have we got going on at quarterback in the last couple of days? So, again, Cobb signed current class. He's going to play this. He's he's on the team for this fall. He's not in spring. He's not enrolled in school yet. He'll enroll in the summer and go through summer fall practice. He's going to play this fall. The quarterback commit we got is for next year for, again, the 2024 signing. But it's a gigantic commitment. Walker White is a four-star prospect from Arkansas who had offers from a lot of teams. And at the end, I think it came down to Clemson and Baylor and Auburn. And for a long time, Auburn was kind of the third of those three and then came back and got his commitment. This is a really good prospect, a a good quarterback, a guy that – and a guy that – is going to help be the leader of the recruiting effort. Yes. He called out about 10 players mm-hmm. in his announcement and said, I want you to come to Auburn with me. <laughs> Including and dudes I, committed to Alabama. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> well, so I think it, that I think that he was leaning various ways, and then they got him on campus – and between talking to the offensive coordinator for the field marshal and talking to Freeze and talking and, and looking at the complex and probably, you know, they showed him a little NIL uh, probably too. You throw all those things together and suddenly, you know, it's it's like Freeze. Yeah. And this is what I said, John. When I saw we had him and that and that Jeremiah Cobb had signed and everything, this is what I said. I want you to put the word out there. We back up. Understand me? We back up. That's that's been going through my head over and over and over. We back up. And and the the other great thing, again, he's an excellent prospect that I'm excited about his commitment and we need a, a quarterback of the future, you know, that could come in uh, and be kind of the maybe the, the program anchor in those years after he comes on board. So that's a gigantic commitment, and he may influence guys in the future to sign with Auburn. That'll really help build that class. But it's also he has a, a meme-worthy name, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's both. It's both Walter White, yes, Breaking Bad. I'll have to put that one on his here. His yeah. name, his name reversed is White Walker, and the coach's name is Freeze. Then you got the Game <laughs> of Thrones memes on that. Side oh, too, so. they just it writes itself. It does. Say my name. <laughs> it just so that, that part's gonna be that part is gonna be fun. Oh, oh yes, gives us all a little way to participate a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'm gonna say this, and it might be a controversial thing to say. I don't care. I'm happy, and when I'm happy. I'm gonna say it, and that is for the first time in a very long time, I feel like we have the pieces in place if it goes well to put together a legitimate contender. And see, here's the thing. We've talked before about should Auburn settle for being the Kentucky of the West, right? The South Carolina of the West. Is that what we are now? Are we ever going to be able to compete with where Alabama is, where Georgia is, where LSU often is, and where Texas A&M is trying to buy their way into? That puts us fifth even if we stay ahead of the Mississippis, which is not always the case, right? And I've been saying, are we supposed to accept that we are the Kentucky of the West now? Because I don't want to be that. But, you know, after all these years, I was starting to think that may just be 
law of the jungle, that may just be where we are. If you're, if you're not a lion and you're not a tiger, you may not be an antelope, but you're not a lion or a tiger anymore, you know, in terms of the, the pecking order in the jungle. And um, this is making me think what we're doing this last couple of months is making me reevaluate that and think maybe we can be. Maybe we've been accepting too little. Maybe we've been selling ourselves too short. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. I haven't felt this way, honestly, a little bit in 2013, obviously. And the last time before that I felt this way was 2009 when it felt like we were building something, bringing in Cam, you know, and hoping he would be good and bringing in the running back, Dyer, you know. And in 2009, I felt this sense of, hey, we're building something here. And in 2013, for a while, with things going our way, even then, though, you kind of felt like, eh, it can't always go our way this way. The ball's bouncing our way a little bit. It's been a while since I felt this way, and it feels good. It feels good. I do think we have under... I think one of the things we're seeing is, A, this staff is doing a great job. And, and they have a, they have the alignment and the support of the right people, the NIL, the facilities, all that stuff is kind of lined up just right for us at the right time. Yeah. And I think... But I think the staff has taken advantage of it, and I think the last two staffs often didn't, you know, A, didn't, and B, some mostly didn't, or sometimes didn't, and didn't consistently. Yes. And so I think they can... You know, we're really changing the trajectory on the recruiting class. And again, we got a long way to go, a long way to go to get to where you're talking about. But we are headed in that direction on the on the path that we need to be on. And that is something to be excited about. Now, the other I want to point out two other commits that we hadn't even mentioned yet. We also got another four star cornerback in the 2024 class of Walker White named Jaden Lewis, who's from uh, from Alabama. And then we got. In the 2025 class, so the class after that, we got a commitment from a guy named Malik Autry, who's a defensive lineman from Opelika. Again, this guy's basically a 10th grader, and he's like 6'4", 280, and already had an offer from Georgia. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. they haven't even ranked the players in that class yet. That's how far out this kid is. But That's crazy. he is going to be a monster by the time, and he wants to go to Auburn. He's an Auburn fan. And they offered him because he's that good already. So this is not something, for example, the recent coaching staffs were doing, looking ahead and, mm-hmm. and projecting guys and, and being aggressive with offers. So those are huge. And to build on what Van said about being excited, I want to read you something. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. So I, I before on the show, I've quoted a guy named Bill Conley, who is a uh, writes college football stuff. He uh, he used to write for SB Nation and he writes for ESPN. And he does a lot of stat-based projections and stuff. And he's been, this is what he wrote today. I've been messing with recruiting data, attempting to find the right combination of high school recruiting, transfer quality, and the transfer volume that projects well in terms of the future and in, and the kind of the, the usefulness of the overall class that you are getting transfers and recruits in the, in the volume, right? Because some schools signed like 40 guys um, over the last few months. So this is the for 2023, including transfers and high school players, this is what he has for top 10 classes. Number one, LSU. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Southern Cal. Number four, Oregon. Number five, Florida. Number six, Miami. Number seven, Auburn. Number eight, Georgia. Number nine, Alabama. Number 10, Tennessee. Seven. But... Including the transfers and high school players ahead of Georgia and Alabama. 
That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, well, and the thing about it, you know, the high school players we're bringing in this year, for the most part, aren't going to be able to help us a whole lot this coming year. But you got to start somewhere. And a lot of this is just making us competitive next year. You know, they're already working beyond that on building up for the future. And I think Freeze has said that what's really going to tell the tale is what we get for 2024 and 2025, right? That's, that's right. That's really going to be the be the deal. This the, this yeah. is all Band-Aids that we're doing right now, a lot of Well, and, and, and we're going to talk about this in a second. They've been running around with their hair on fire, you know, not sitting down for two months. Yes. Doing recruiting <laughs> and transfer portals. That stuff. was funny hearing and, some of that, yeah. And, and when they have time to actually long-term recruit some players that are still in high school, it's going to be different and better. Yeah. Oh, very different. Because, they, yeah, they were just kind of coming in the last minute and trying to snag a couple that, that were persuadable. But that's a whole very different thing from actually having years to build up relationships and, and start landing good classes. But I really think that what we have now, the staff we have now, this is a group, if we can hold them together and kind of stay on course and keep everything okay, we can be competitive again with the best. And that's all we've ever wanted is just to be, just to have a legitimate shot, to have a chance to be in the ball game with these teams and not be blown out, you know, and watching them smoke by us in the left lane. That's what I don't want. And so, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, spring practice this month. We're in February now. Spring practice starts at the end of February. That's insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, especially as you know, as chilly as it is in some parts of the country. But chilly there will here. be spring practice to talk about mm. in Auburn in a few weeks. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's certainly too chilly here, but okay. The other thing I wanted, just wanted to mention about the spring practice thing is the coaches have been so busy going 100 miles an hour on the football, on the recruiting and transfer portal side, they have not spent a lot of time actually talking to each other about football. Right. And Or to so the players. Uh, or yes. to the players. They haven't even gotten really sitting down with the players. Well, and the, some of the reason they haven't talked to the players is because they haven't – the coaches have to get on the same page and sit in the room and go, <laughs> uh, yeah, what are we calling this formation? Oh, yeah. because A and I Free's, call it B. And yeah, Free said he and the field marshal got together and were talking, and they're like, well, he calls it this, and I call it that, and we're going to figure out what we're talking about. So That's, that's right. <laughs> they have to make decisions, and I think that they have to – before you can teach anybody anything, you have to agree on this is what, how we're going to do it, mm-hmm. and this is what the system is. And you have to, you have to work through some of that uh, – you know, offensive and defensive design stuff and make sure everybody, the other coaches understand what we're going to be teaching and stuff and the GAs sure. and everybody. So I think this is all I'm going to say about this. Anybody that thinks they know exactly what Auburn's going to be running on offensive defense is full of it because I don't think the Auburn coaches know that yet. They don't know and yet. And B, do not expect to see the full offensive defense at the end of spring. I, I don't think we're going to be all the yeah. way there. I think that's not their goal. Right. So. Well, yeah, Freeze said, if we only do like two things, we're going to just get really good at those two things and then move on. We're not going to just throw a whole bunch of stuff out there and be bad at all of it. We're going to pick a thing and get good at it and then pick another thing and get good at it. So, yeah, absolutely. He said they spent like an entire practice thing, uh, installation thing of the day, just figuring out protections. That's all they did. I guess pass protections or whatever, right? Kick, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Um all right, and then I think they also decided that uh, McGriff and, and Zach Etheridge are going to divide up coaching the secondary with 
with uh, McGriff on the corners and Zach on the safeties and the nickels, right? That's it. Yeah. So, because we've been wondering, that's just that's something we've talked about before. Is if you're going to have two secondary coaches and you needed them both, especially for recruiting, uh, how are they going to divide up the job? And now we know. So, all right. Um, and I did like that Walker White said that the the that our coaches were passing game geniuses, and that was a big part of why he chose Auburn. Is he's really excited about? It's been a long time since anybody said that Auburn's coaching staff was passing game geniuses. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know give Gus Malzahn credit. He was a running game genius. I'll say it. He was. He could generate a running game out of out of cardboard and salt shakers, and that's probably how he came yeah. up with most of them at Waffle House. But uh, but not great in the passing game, and so it's just going to be interesting to see what we can come up with in a little more of a mixed offense than we've had in a very long time. I know that I know that um, you know potatoes. He wanted to have a good passing game, but he was trying to fit the round pegs and the square holes and everything. And that's another thing Coach Freeze has said is we're going to look at what we have on the field and base our offense around that rather than trying to force them to do something they're not good at. Again, these are all just like revelations of genius that are just common sense if you weren't if it wasn't such a revelation to us. Yes. And that and that leads into the spring practice thing of they're going to spend a lot of time on fundamentals and they're going to be evaluating our current roster, getting to know them and what they can do can do well. Right. And so it's going to be an opportunity for those players to show what they can do and how it can be built into the, you know, to what the team's plan is for the fall. Yeah, that's it. All right. Um, we got to thank our patrons really quickly. And this is the se- otherwise known as the segment that's gone from least popular to most popular segment of the show. I don't know. Just because of our patrons are very clever. Uh, and I get to read what they say to you or make them sound. So we do not do ads. You will not have to put up with long interruptions of ads every couple of sentences. That's one of the things I love about our show is that we don't have to do that. Uh, but we do have bills and, and and have to pay the bills and everything, just like any other podcast, any other show. But we rely on you folks to do it, and you always come through for us. But we can always use more patrons to support the show. And in exchange, you get things like you'll get to participate in – uh, the March Madness brackets that we always do. That's always a ton of fun. And we'll have our Fantasy Formula One League coming up again, I'm sure, very soon because they're getting ready to roll the cars back out again. And uh, that's just two of the things that are coming up immediately. I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting. But we have stuff going on pretty much year-round, for the most part, uh, that patrons get to participate in. Plus, you get things like a chance to get signed copies of the hardcover of the basketball book and other things. So, And uh, John and I are kind of at, in, a, in a quasi-work state gathering information state on really two more Auburn books that are coming up, one a little nearer, one a little further down the road. We'll let you know more about that as we're able to. So if you want to be part of the fun, go to W and join the family, go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange. There's a lot of stuff on that page you can you can dig around in, but uh, but click on the big orange button to become a patron. Here are the fine folks who currently are doing just that and keeping the show on the air, and we thank them for it. They include Samuel Salvatore, Boris the Tiger's burner account. Boris is still not sure how he feels about that. Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Ann Kanzian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AUFan at KSC, um, Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tank. 
Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil M. Thor, who, of course, is the master sommelier-level sponsor and paying for Adam Hill's grounds crew-level sponsor. We did change the uh, sponsor levels a few months ago to make them a little more Auburn-centric now that I've split away the Patreons for the non-football stuff to other Patreons. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Um, oh, <laughs> I forget. This one is like a series of instructions. So here is, uh, here is this. Um, uh, oh, let me see. Hold on. I got this. And then I got to do the, aha. Oh, it, it all makes sense now. Yeah, I love this, which is... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Oh, it's good. The transfer portal. All right. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I agree. Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue. Welcome aboard, Bleeds Orange and Blue. That's, I think, our newest patron. Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze has more O-line commits in, commits in four weeks in than potato had in two years. Uh, okay, ins- okay, Mark always lets me insert my own sound clip, and I always forget. You know one that I haven't heard in a while, but maybe this could be, like, encouraging for the team? And March Madness, let's shock the world! Yeah! Let's do it, Sir Charles. Let's do it, Chuck. Jacob and Robin Fleming. Jeff Mraz rhymes with... What? (laughs) Rome College collage. Jeff Mraz rhymes with scrotum collage. Okay, uh, sure. Let's see. KD is not perfect, but he always fights, says 76 Tiger Esquire, officially, official sleazy shyster of you-know-who. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. It's true. He is not perfect, but he always fights, and you, you can't deny that. He, he does. Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Logan, Mickey B. I believe we have a uh, message from, from Mickey B tonight, do we not, John? We'll get to in just a minute. Uh, we also have one from Samuel. Uh, no one fights like Gaston. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, It's You Freeze Time, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Wynn Carroll, Winston Body, Returning to Everything School, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what, the real Boris the Tiger, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Hugo Sleezes, How to Lose a Game by 35 Points as a 24-point favorite, Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time <laughs> and anonymous donors. <laughs> I like that Patrick just programs the way the whole thing's going to end. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, the guy out back of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! Who is... Smoke weed every day. While eating... Potatoes. In a... Freeze. Freeze. Ice. Freeze. Ice. A freeze is coming. There we go. That was quite the complex one. Are the patron levels based on occupation at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage? I'm confused. <laughs> it's it it 
it kind of seems to go that way. I, I, I have nothing to do with I just push the buttons and read what they say. All right. I don't know. That's up to them. Um, <laughs> but it is entertaining. It's like the whole little story going on there. I, I have to flesh it out, make a novel out of it. I, I, you know, I've really got to include Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage in the next heist novel. I think, I think, uh, I don't know if Harper would go in there. I think Salsa might go in there looking for somebody or something, and, and a whole little adventure would take place. There's a scene in the, in Miami Heist when Salsa goes they, into a... They could get an undercover job there. Yeah, Somalia something like that. Something. Well, there's a, there's a scene in Miami Heist where Salsa goes into the uh, surveyor's office, the county surveyor's office in Dade County. And it's, I, it's one of my favorite things I've ever written, where he and this this kid behind the counter and he's stealing maps and telling the kid, Oh yeah, no, it's all him. It's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, <laughs> Taurus, the biker. Oh, he's got so many references now. Poor Boris. He's just all over this thing now. I don't know. Uh, Amy's very possessive of Boris. I'm not sure how she's going to take this. Uh, Weagle 87. Oh, here, this is related to what we talked about and what we're going to talk about. At the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I, I've got to look them up. At the Mad Reaper Pepper Co- I'm going to order some Mad Reaper Pepper from the Mad Reaper Pepper Company. Pick a pick, Peter Pepper, pick a pick a pick a pepper. Uh, Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Regus, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle. Oh, um... Yeah, this is good. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Like an unwanted neighbor that comes over and visits. From the Weather Channel, Reynolds Wolf. Thundersnow! Yeah, freeze warning and thundersnow, man. I'm detecting a theme, and he's pointing that out. That's good. Um, All right, last few here. Elizabeth Donald, escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. We still have some dissenters among among the family, and that's all fine. Uh, let's see. We got. We gotta uh, get better at celebrating. That one's that's always popular. If our former coach smoked weed every day, would he be a baked potatoes? I guess that's probably fair. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason Albrick, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean. Katie fights for all of us. I am Tiger, official feline of soundboard. Of Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. All right, I like it. Kenneth Brent Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the half things leaf has clearly slowed your mind. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this list because... <laughs> I'm at the bottom of this list because... God bless it! But... Not for why you can, the monkey boy. There you go. Good job. Well played, Spanky. I like... It's just like they have taken... They take control of the soundboard for this segment. It's very entertaining, at least to me. Sports Illustrated Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Slinko Family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Why Are You Booing Johnny's Right, and Brant Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors, and that is the end of the list. So be it. There you go. All right. Um, I'm closing out the statistics. I'm closing out that. Oh, you know what time it is, John. Guess the game time, Dan. Hello, Van 
John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, here with Guess the Game number 78. Wow. Guess the Game 78 is brought to you by listener Nick Craig. Let's see what Nick sent in. Looks to his left. Comes back with the snap. Floats it for the end zone for... Did he catch it? Oh, yeah! Touchdown, Auburn! Just like that, Auburn has come alive in the last six minutes of this game. All right, guys, I will see you in the hint file. Hmm. My first thought was Nick's to, um, oh, who was our really good receiver the last couple of Sanders? years? No, 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 you're no. talking about Bo Nix. Bo Nix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, in the Williams. Texas A&M game several ah. years ago, where they came back strong and Nick's threw the ball to uh, Williams. I think that was that Seth was Williams. Now that that was a different court. That was it was seventeen or eighteen. That was um that Stidham. wasn't Bo Nix. It was uh Stidham. Jared Stidham. Okay. Yeah, I think when I think the clue there is that he said Auburn's come alive in the last six minutes. Because you remember we threw like two or three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. And we were like down. It was like we were down twenty-one to seven, and we won twenty-eight twenty-one. So I think that's what. It, my but my first thought was the Oregon. wasn't It, it was either Oregon or Washington. Remember when Nick's okay. hit? Uh, uh, say, I think it was Oregon. Well, there was two. There was two. Nick's hit Seth Williams in the Oregon game, a yeah. neutral site, and that. But the the Washington game was a last-minute pa- pass to Sal Canella. Oh but yeah, that was Stidham, I think. Yeah. But when he says "come alive" in the last six minutes, that kind of makes me think it's the Texas A&M game. Okay. What do you think? It was definitely Rod, though, and, I, it's, and it's recent. I, I agree. I think I think it is recent. I think it's them, and I think it's I. I my instinct was that Texas A&M game. Yeah. All right. So, but what year do we think that was now? All right, we got to go last year. Last year was twenty-two, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it was either it had to be eighteen then, because Stidham was seventeen and eighteen, and seventeen was in Texas, in College Station, and the one that we're talking about was a home game for sure. Okay, so it's eighteen. So we're going to say twenty eighteen right. Texas A&M. Eighteen Texas A&M. All right, here's the hint. Here we are in the hint file. Let's de bleep this thing and give it another listen. Stidham looks to his left. Yep. Comes back with the snap. Floats it for the end zone for Williams. Did he catch it? Oh yeah! Touchdown, Auburn! Seth Williams! Just like that, Auburn has come alive in the last six minutes of this game. Okay, gentlemen, I will see you in the answer file. You know what, though? This makes me miss Rod. I don't want to say anything bad about Andy. He does he does what he can do, and he's he's him, and he's great, but... Rod had gotten so good, and Rod wasn't great the first couple of years. He had to kind of grow into it, you know. You don't, you're not Jim Fife overnight, but Rod had gotten so good. Ah, just makes that me guy mad. Call makes me appreciate him. It does. It just makes me mad to think about it. All right, last one. All right, John Van. If you guys figured out this is Auburn playing Texas A&M in 2018, then you nailed it. Woo-hoo. I want to thank Nick Craig for sending that in. If you have a suggestion for Guess the Game, you can send them to me. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
or you can email them to me. I am Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, Warrior. Yeah, all right, that was a good one. Yeah, I appreciate, as always, we want to thank Jared for doing these. Out of the goodness of his heart and his love of Auburn football, he puts these together for us every, almost every week. And we really, really appreciate it. 70, what is it, 78 or something? That's incredible. That's a lot. Done that many. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it feels like, I feel like we've been doing them like long, more than two years, though. And it's like once every week or so. So, yeah. Well, once a week could be you know, in the 50s. So. Yeah. There it is. All right. Well, I see our last couple of stops here. We have to, as always, say. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. What drifted over the transom this week? All right. First question is from a friend of the podcast, Samuel Salvatore. He says, hello, guys, and War Eagle. He says, so are the refs the new Auburn's new enemy in basketball? First 2019 and now 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, 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 what's galling? to me about that is that it was the opposite and yet in both cases it went against us yes. you know what I mean when 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 ticky tack hurt us they called it ticky tack and when when it helped when it would have helped us they didn't that's what I'm trying to say no so, you're right it's it's tough to be on the wrong end of, of that call both times both both ways yeah both in both directions yeah oh no he's right all right. Our next question is from a uh, friend of the podcast, Spanky. Yes. Who says, uh, Van and John, I love the show. And he said, the title of this podcast is an idea for an off-season show. Mm-hmm. He says, Van and John, I love the show. I've listened for several years, and I'm a patron. Your great content convinced me that certain things are worth paying for. Oh, we appreciate that I so hope, much. I hope to someday meet you two in person. We could swap early 90s Auburn political science stories. <laughs> political science stories. Oh, man. <laughs> It was happening there. It was exciting. All right. He says, I have a suggestion for a summer show. While I can't help you on the subject matter for the show, I have an idea for the theme of the show. Your recent fascination with peppers, I thought it would be a good idea for the two of you sample peppers from around the neighborhood or the web. While delivering the show, we could test the old myth of real men don't cry thanks for all you do spanky i like it i'm a big pepper guy i'm big big fan so uh you know my i my enjoy re- peppers but that may be one that we end mid-show or something <laughs> we may have to suddenly go off, go off the air you have to test get the test pattern ready I, my when when John showed me that uh, the the message uh, from Spanky and of course we know Spanky's been a, a patron since basically the beginning because how long have I been going Spanky right I mean come on but um but when John first showed me that, that message my first thought was we need to get uh, Brian Stoltz on the show for that one because if you ever hear him on his show they're always getting him to to eat. he doesn't want he doesn't want to eat them and it never goes very well it's always like a tragedy when he tries to do that so. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I'm down with sampling some different uh, hot peppers while we're on the show. I always, I always want to get the, I always want to get some sauce. I've got um, I've been cooking uh, those hash brown omelets lately. You know where you use the big uh, the big like mm-hmm. a like a hibachi type grill, 
and I bought a bunch of hot sauces for them, and I just can't find one I really like. They're all just too mild. I've got the Zatarains, and I got the uh, Franks, and I got the um, Texas Pete's. And uh, the only thing that really does anything, Zatarain has a good flavor. It's just not that hot. Uh, Regular Tabasco has a little bit of a kick to it, but that's maybe it's just that I'm dead. (laughs) I I can no longer actually feel. I'm like the dudes in uh, The Last of Us. I'm just going, ah, give me hotter pepper sauce. I I think I'm in trouble here. So (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't do much for me. I I blame having COVID twice. I can't taste anything anymore. So I just need hotter and hotter sauce. Well, we'll think about that. That's a really good idea. So, all right. Do you have ideas for this pepper? Yeah. Summer pepper show. Send them in. Send them in. We yeah, that'd be great. Compare peppers to teams or something. I don't know. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, we get Jared in on that, too. I bet Jared would be fun to have him on that, too. That'd be great. Eat, 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 eat him. All right. This is a question from Bill Miner who says, guys, since Boris the Tiger seems like an international tiger mystery, if yeah. safe for the podcast, how did he end up with his name? How did Boris get his name? Oh, oh, that's – it's – yeah, it sounds like he's some kind of Soviet agent or something. I understand that, but it's nothing nearly so sordid. The you can make up your own stories, but the real story is that when I got him way back in like 2001, uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, said, "Oh, he's got a ruff of white fur under his neck, so he's a Siberian tiger." I'm like, "Oh, is that what that means? I didn't even know." And she goes, "Yeah, so you should name him like Boris or something." I go, "Okay, he's Boris." So there you go, and he's been Boris the tiger. It just kind of suited him. And uh, occasionally he has a Russian accent, and occasionally he doesn't. And um, he had this whole thing. This is there's a whole backstory to Boris that people don't know. We all do a whole episode on him sometime. When we when he first came along, Tommy Tuberville was our coach, and I like to think of Boris as like if you took the beating heart of Auburn, like if you took Aubie's heart out just temporarily and made a little furry thing out of it. He's basically just like the spirit of Auburn in a little furry creature okay and um that's all he cares about that's all he knows about is auburn stuff that's all that matters to him and um so there was this thing he would do where after we got rid of tuberville and brought in chiswick and gus and everything if any of us would ever in the room around boris would ever mention chiswick being the coach or gus being the coach boris would say what because he he didn't understand that the coach he'd had from the beginning wouldn't always be his coach. He's just very innocent that way. You know what I mean? He has that innocent personality. He loves Auburn, and he can't concede. He thinks Tuberville is still our coach. We just try not to say around him that he's not anymore, you know. So that's there's a whole there's a whole story there, but we'll get into it another day. We're running late, so uh, do we want to being replaced by the stuffed animal? One, <laughs> one more email. Um, All right, from. Uh, this is from Josh Corbett, who says, uh, one simple question this week. What is the ceiling of this basketball team? Thanks for the shows, yeah. guys. War Eagle. No, that's, Josh, that's a really good question. That's kind of what we were touching on a while ago, is that I don't think we know yet, because I think they're still going up, and that's a good thing. They haven't peaked yet. Now, I don't, I don't know that it's much higher. I, I mean, honestly, I think the ceiling of this team is to play defense like they're playing now, and for some dang shots to fall if 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 we can just get some more shots to fall we'd have won three or four more games already easy again if this team if this team gets hot and plays like 
average offensively. Offense. Yes. That's hot for this team. Yes. We could win the SEC tournament. We could win yeah. two or three games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And 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 again, they're peaking. They're they're moving. I don't know if they've peaked or not, but assuming they're on the way up now, I, I feel good about it. Whereas you know, in this time last year, I was like, oh man, I I hope we can hang on. I hope we can hang on. I hope we haven't peaked too soon, and we kind of did. This year, I'm like, come on, come on, just 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 get those shots to fall, man. That's all. Just get get some offensive rebounds. Get some putbacks. Get some second chance shots. They just were having such trouble getting second chance shots. Oh, it's driving me crazy. So, do we want to go around the SEC? I mean, I think the only thing we've, I think we can just wrap this up with we, that Alabama finally got their coordinators right, or more or less. Yes, they hired uh, the offensive coordinator will be Tommy Reese, former yeah. Notre Dame quarterback and Notre Dame offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator is one known to us, one Kevin Steele. And I think, uh, you know, Reese is not somebody that everybody was super excited about at at Alabama or or super impressed about other places. But I think, like, Brian Kelly tried very hard to hire this guy at LSU and Nick Saban hired this guy at Alabama. So, A, Mm -hmm. it's not not the universe potential candidates. It's who you can get. Yeah. And, B, those two guys are pretty good football coaches and they both wanted this guy. They both wanted him. I and and I'll I'll wrap up with my um my tweet about it was Alabama fans if you're wanting some stop the steal merchandise I know some people <laughs> <laughs> I hear you but I I just want to say like He's I, I don't know how the Tommy Reese thing worked out but Kevin Steele is good and yes. I don't like it No okay? right it was I, really it was really funny when they were getting rid of hire Grantham and oh. I would have I would have gone on and, and on laugh. about it if they had Grantham, but Kevin Steele is very competent at his yes. job, as we are well aware in this podcast, and it is going to be a problem because they upgraded a defensive coordinator. They did, yeah. No, he can recruit. He can coach. I mean, yeah, he's he probably just wants to wrap up his state pension or whatever by working in state one more time. But, I mean, who's going to say no to, you know, you're one minute you're at South Florida or wherever, and the next you're back in the, you know at the University of Alabama. I mean that's not not a that's you know as far as lateral moves go that's not too bad. So um, you know good for him. But yeah, it kind of sucks to have to, to have a, a coach that we know can put together a pretty darn good defense. And you know the thing we always said about him was not only did he coach a good game usually, but he was able to really he was really good at layering his players. So that he always had people to step in. Gus was horrible at that. You know, with Gus, we'd have every year there'd be something missing. Oh, we don't have any tight ends. Oh, we don't have any quarterbacks. Oh, we don't have any running backs. Oh, we don't have any offensive line. You know what I mean? There was always at least one thing missing every year. But the defense always had two or three really good prime defensive linemen. They always had two or three linebackers. And they always had five or six defensive backs every year under him. So, yeah. Well, all right, we'll see. Um, I guess we've covered everything. Any final thoughts? We're going to wrap up get on out of here tonight. Ben, we had a, it was a lot of talking tonight, a lot of perspective, <laughs> yeah. I think, at the beginning about putting things in perspective, but also a lot of good discussion about where Auburn is and where Auburn is going in the future. Yeah, well, I had a good time. I hope everybody else did too. All right, our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. 
For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AUWishbone and at Facebook.com slash AUWishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.